Blog Talk Radio. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. by PHI Apparel Company. PHI Apparel Company provides unique designs and high-quality clothing for the great fans of the Philadelphia area. With their original designs for all, there's no doubt that they'll stand out in the crowd. Act now and listeners can use the promo code CHEFS for 15% off any apparel when you shop online at phiapparel.co. That's phiapparel.co. Remember to use the Google code CHEFS for 15% off. Act now while supplies last. Please stay focused, and it's crazy that our sponsor is a Philadelphia-based company. Please tune in and do what you need to do. Get all type of authentic wear from there. They are online to be on schedule today at 3 3, 3.30? Well, just to get ready for 3 o'clock. 3 p.m. Eastern Standard is probably 12 p.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time. Just I'm I'm just ready to get out of this show and go to the supermarket, get what I need to get. I know some people want me to go to the bar to watch the game. I don't know. I kind of want to watch this thing peacefully. But let me get into the show as best as I can. Calling in by way of the Midwest region of the United States of America, we have Mike Harvey in the building. Mike, welcome to the brunch. How are you feeling this morning? Everywhere you go, that's the second line. Hey, man, it's always a pleasure to be with you. You know, down in New Orleans, we always do second line, and so I had to give you the second half of that little it's beginning to feel like, like Christmas. Always feeling good alongside with you, big homie. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be here, man. Thank you for having me. 
That is for sure. I forgot that that's what it is. So now I get it. You, you got to do the follow-up. So that's the new Louisiana thing. New Orleans, they got to do the, the second line. Okay, so I do the lead-in. I'll be Michael, so you just be Jermaine. I'll let you be Jermaine, and we'll pull strings with my other brother calling in out of the West Coast region of the United States of America, Sports City. I'm stunned because he's calling at the beginning of the show, but I'm about to piss him off in a little bit. We have Mr. Hughes breaking news. Brian in the building. Welcome to the brunch. How are you feeling this morning? What's good, boys? Ty, how you doing? It's been a minute. It was nice uh, being back on with you yesterday. And as far as pissing me off, it wouldn't be the first or the last. So I look forward to it. Oh, that's for sure, because I have to get the, the appetizers out the way before I get into the beaten potatoes, which I sat down at a table with you and done that several times. So, So let me get to the appetizers first. And then we'll move on into the bigger and better things because I know that's what at least I know you're ready to cook that up for sure. I I just feel it. I, I feel like that that Michael Jackson song. Can you feel it? Can you feel it? Can you feel? It? I don't know. I'm an '80s baby. I'm sorry. I'm living my life. I don't care if they don't care. I don't care. Okay. So I'm gonna get into this the best way that I can. I do have two of these guys that are just alike in the building. I do have to get there thoughts, views, and opinions on at least some of this stuff right here. So first and foremost, I'm going to do this, and, and damn, the way that the lineup goes, I didn't want it to go like this. But um, I am going to get into a little bit of what the NBA had for store yesterday. So the first thing that I do, I did, it came up differently, but I'll do it as, as scheduled. The Knicks and Nets had a game in Brooklyn. The Knicks lost to the Nets 122 to 115. Kyrie goes off 32 in the matchup. Brunson puts up 26 in the matchup. Another matchup yesterday, the Houston Rockets play the Detroit Pistons, win this matchup 117 to 114 in Detroit. The Rockets improved to 12 and 38. The Pistons remain at 13 to 38. I think they're battling for Victor Wembyamba. The next matchup I have are the Chicago Bulls. They went to Orlando. The Bulls beat Orlando 128 to 109, in which. Uh, Wagner went off with 27 points. DeRozan had a 32-point effort in that matchup. The Los Angeles Clippers win that matchup up against the Atlanta Hawks, 120 to 113. And Atlanta, Kawhi Leonard is starting to wake up. He goes off for 32 in the win. Trey Young has 31 points in the loss. The Timberwolves win at home up against the Sacramento Kings, who are one of the better teams in the Western Conference, surprisingly this year, 117 to 110 in Minnesota. Uh, the Montes the bonus goes off with 23 points and 10 rebounds. And uh, Anthony Edwards has 34 points, 10 rebounds, and six assists in the win. The Wizards win their matchup up against the Pelicans in New Orleans, 113-103. Gafford has a 21-point night, 12-rebound effort, five blocks. And C.J. McCollum, in a losing effort, has 24 points in the loss. The Phoenix Suns win their matchup, 128, up against the Spurs, 118. Chris Paul is finally waking up, 31 points, 11 assists, and seven rebounds in the win. And uh, Keldon Johnson has a 34-point night in the loss. Okay, so we're getting ready to get to the meat and potatoes of all of this situation. The Mavericks win their game up. I mean, they lose to the Jazz, excuse me, 108 to 100. This game took place in Salt Lake City. And Laurie Markkinen making a name for himself, and I love it. I wanted him in OKC when he came out of Arizona, but nevertheless, he put up 29 points in the win. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie had 35 points and eight assists without Luka Doncic on the floor. I do, I would love to talk about Dallas, but I don't think I have the time. I want to though. Um, after a back-to-back, a matchup that they played yet, well, two days ago 
up against Golden State. They lose to Golden State. They go into Portland, win this matchup, 123-105, to up against the Portland Trailblazers. Dame went off this week for 60 points, but I don't believe in the Trailblazers. They're, they're full goal to me, 123-105. to um, You have Precious go off for 27-13, rebounds, and Jeremy Grant had 26 points and eight rebounds. Now, I had to skip a couple of games because this is the meat and potatoes of at least this segment, and this is where I get to get under my big brother's skin, both of these 70 babies. I'm the 80 baby. They're the 70 babies. But um, first and foremost, I don't really think they have too much to weigh in on one of these matchups. But um, the Nuggets go to Philadelphia, lose their matchup up against the 76ers. The 76ers win this matchup 126-119, to 119, in which uh, Nikola Jokic goes off for 24 points, eight rebounds, nine assists. Can't take anything away from the MVP. In which Joel Embiid, in front of him, they're going at each other, 47 points, 18 rebounds, and three steals. This says a lot on how they go and give Jokic credit, but Embiid gets washed under the rug. And I think it's more or less conditioning, I think, where he probably may tire through the duration of the season. But in head-to-head, this this clearly looks like he smoked them. And um, it would just all depend on how it looks when they go to Denver. If it's a, a home court situation, he feels stronger in Pennsylvania compared to going to Colorado. But he clearly almost doubled what his output was, 24 to 47. Um, this is a statement. And rebounds, he doubled them. Um, and Jokic is out there on the floor, eight rebounds to 18. He, he did a lot in this matchup. And the one that I said I'm going to get under this skin, and I'm not intentionally getting under this skin because, to be honest, I do this because I'm not a big Laker fan. But – the Celtics win their matchup in one of the biggest rivalries in NBA history, 125 to 121, and that's not even the situation. LeBron goes off for 41 points, nine rebounds, and eight assists. Jalen Brown, in a winning effort, has 37 points and nine rebounds. That's not even the subject, though. The subject of this situation is LeBron, and the end of the game, the game was tied. He goes to the lane to attempt the layup, and he is clearly fouled. I have to give LeBron credit. Like, I know me personally, like, I'm, like, doing that, the the, the Grinch laugh, like, ha-ha, it's happening to you guys now. The luck kind of runs out. But analytically, this is completely wrong, and um, nobody's really held accountable in this situation. Um, I felt bad because, you know, this is a, a, a game-ending situation. But then, again, you know, the referee tried to say swallow the whistle, you know, like, don't leave it to a call like this to end the game. But this was a clear foul, and um, they didn't call it. And uh, they go into overtime, and the Celtics take advantage of overtime, let alone they start the overtime up before the ball is jumped off for the tip-off. The Celtics are up a point already because Patrick Beverly grabs a cameraman's camera and brings it to the referee and shows him the image of LeBron being fouled. He gets a technical foul. They were already down a point going into overtime. Um, I do want to see how you guys feel about any of the games on schedule or, or, or from yesterday's schedule and um, how you feel about both of your teams because both of you guys are the Laker fans in the building. I'll start with you first on this one, Mike. Your thoughts on the games, but specifically the rivalry that we've at least known since Bird and Magic have been around and how the ending around the world has been heard. Cool. So I'm, I'm going to start real quick with, uh, before I hit that, I'm going to hit the Jokic Embiid thing. I think everybody knows that Embiid is is a better, more uh, dominant player than Jokic. Uh, 
Jokic is kind of that point center where things kind of run through him. I think the thing that sometimes really hurts Embiid is just, like you said, sometimes conditioning, but just sometimes being available because we know he has had a lot of injuries and been out in his career. But, uh, you know, both healthy, I'll take Embiid all day. Um, He's just so physically imposing and can be dominant when he's right. Uh, That being said, you know, referee talks about swallowing the whistle. The only thing that I could think last night was that was definitely some home cooking. You're already on the road. Um, There's a tough matchup against a team that that is uh, one of the best in the Eastern Conference. You know, Lakers played hard. I, I, it was a much better game than I anticipated it being. Uh, it was a, uh, another couple questionable calls even before that. But, you know, I, I would love to see if the shoe had been on the other foot and it was Jalen Brown or Tatum in the lane getting hacked like that on their home floor with the referee have still swallowed the same whistle. I don't really agree. Um that that would have happened. I think that call would have been made. And, I mean, there's something to be said for home court advantage and home cooking, uh, but this was definitely uh, this was definitely questionable. And I know there's probably going to be some fines levied based on some of the post-game comments last night. But, uh, listen, I, I think there needs to be some sort of something in place to hold these referees accountable. Uh, for blatant missed calls like that, especially calls they could have decided the game. Uh, and listen, that was uh, that was created by Patrick Beverly. You could argue costly as well since they got that technical right there, but that was still kind of funny for him to grab a camera and, and bring it out there and show it. Like, listen, this Lakers roster, they need, they need their three stars healthy because they don't have a ton around them. As far as Westbrook, LeBron, and Anthony Davis, they need all these guys on the court in order for them to be able to even come anywhere close to realizing, uh, I mean, to realize any of their potential. Now that potential may be 500. We'll see. Right. But, um, you know, they're a little ahead of schedule compared to where they were a season ago, but this was a game they very easily could have won and maybe should have. And so, um, they, they, they've been up against it this year with injuries and other struggles. They don't need the referee helping them uh, as well. So it was just, it was kind of sad to see because I, I thought they played well enough to win that game. And obviously the score indicates they were right there. And it, it just sucks to see such a bad blatant missed call. It cost them the game at the end. Brian, your thoughts on any of the games that were on schedule in the NBA situation that I mentioned and uh, definitely your hometown boys out there in Cali. I mean, your thoughts on how things went down, uh, the foul heard around the world that was not called. Yeah, I appreciate it, Timeless. Um, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna bounce off of a, a couple here. So um, I do want to start where um, my boy Matt started. Um, Jokic, uh, Embiid, um, man, Embiid, Embiid played about as well as you can play uh, over 50% from the three, th- from the three point line. Um, he, he did everything. He just short of 20 rebounds. Uh, and he had the best point differential uh, in the entire game. Um, I think like's already been alluded to. I think the thing is, is, is um, the amount of minutes that you're going to get from him <laughs> on a daily um, but I mean, to me, there's no, there's no question 
there's no question he's a force. But when you look at the supporting cast, um, you know, Jokic had multiple people that scored 20-plus points in that game. It's basically Embiid and no one else. And uh, that's not a knock or a, a uh, you know, I'm not trying to slander Harden because I'm sure somebody's going to say something. The bottom line is, is if, if, you, look, if you look what Harden did, uh, he, he didn't play particularly well. He, he didn't play particularly well. Um, you know, he scored about a half a point a minute. And, um, you know, you just can't win like that. Uh, there is one other game that I do want to touch, and that's the, the very first game you touched on, which is the Nets and the Knicks. Um, Kyrie Irving, <clears throat> we've all known for a long time. When Kyrie's motivated to play, he is a different level type cat. That's something that, that even Kobe said when he first came into the league. He's extremely skilled. We know that. <clears throat> but listen, I'm, I'm going off memory, Ty, so please correct me if I'm wrong. But I want to say they shot, like, something ridiculous, like 45 three-pointers. And I want to say they connected on over 50% of them, meaning the Nets. And the funniest part of that whole game was the post-game interview with Barrett when he was like, well, I, don't, I don't know what happened, man. We were playing great defense. You know, we're locking up Kyrie. No, you weren't. <laughs> you, you can't allow a team to shoot. 60%, 55% from three-point land and, you know, uh, basically distribute as he pleases and allow somebody to drive to the basket when they please and say you're playing good defense. So I definitely think, you know, obviously the Knicks still have some work to do, um, but, I mean, it was, it, it was a phenomenal team performance from the Nets. It wasn't just Kyrie. I mean, from three-point land, they were, they were dynamite. As far as the Lakers, oh, man, you know how I feel about LeBron. LeBron. I think he's a great player, but he's, he's, he's nobody's favorite. And I mean that because he is, he is willingly taking on uh, Barry's, you know, villain-esque. He wants to be better than LeBron. He, wa- or he wants to be better than Michael. He wants to be better than Kobe. And it's not necessarily better. He wants to be loved more than those guys. At least that's the way I feel. And I will tell you, if you look at the stats, Ty, the stats, the stats merit out that LeBron is not just not loved by NBA fans or other players. He's not loved by officiating either. LeBron James is the only player in the top eight in scoring that averages less than eight free throws attempted per game, meaning he doesn't, he doesn't get the calls. This is not a first-time thing. You guys know this is not the first game this year that, that the Lakers have potentially lost or, or missed calls that the Lakers have had. Was this a, a major call? Of course, because it directly changed impact the game. There was four seconds left. He's driving. Tatum clearly fouls him. The Lakers are going to go up. And they don't call it. And then, like you said, Ty, to boot, to make matters worse, you go into overtime down one. It's not even just the point. It's the momentum. It's everything. It's, it, it just completely shifted the whole tide of that game. <clears throat> and so I think when you look at this, you know, and this was brought up, but 
I think when you look at this, this game was much, much more competitive than I think the average fan would have thought, right? You know, Celtics, one of, if not the best team in the league, and you see what transpires. You see what, um, as the game unfolds, and you're like, okay, we got a game here. And to see it basically taken out of the player's hands and put into the referee's hands, yeah, it's unfortunate. It really is. But like I said, I mean, you, you, go, you go look at the numbers, anybody look at the numbers, whether you like LeBron or not. You look at the top eight, you look at the top eight score, scorers, you look at how many free throws they're attempting per game, and then look at LeBron. He's in the top eight. Look at LeBron, and look at the disparity, and you tell me there's not a difference. I'm just saying, it, to, to me, it looks pretty clear. As much as I know I'm a huge fan of the sport, huge fan of the game, they got to be able to call that call. They have to. There's no way that they can sit up here and just swallow the whistle, and you know you you probably hear the smack. Like, it, it, of course, you see the contact, but those refs are – okay, so I've been around an NBA official. Like, one of them is a longtime NBA official, and he's like a, a father-uncle to me. Like, even though I'm not related to him, but that that's how close of a relationship I have with him. And um, there's three referees in an NBA game. There's one on the baseline, there's one in the slot, and there's one that's trailing the play, right? Whoever's the closest to the play makes the call majority of the time. Um, none of them made the call. They will actually get, you know, questioned up in Chicago, New Jersey, where the headquarters are in, in New Jersey, and they go from there. Now, this is where I kind of wanted to make the stink about this. And uh, sports guy, I apologize that I'm doing this. How do they rectify the situation? Yeah, or oh, we'll find them and so on and so forth. People lose games this way. This has happened in every single sport across the board, whether it's a, a line judge in a tennis match and they say the ball is out and it was in and there's nothing they could do. So now they try to even rectify the situation of bringing in electronic judging to help the line judge in tennis or in baseball. One of the ones that hurt me the most, there was a perfect game being pitched in Detroit. The guy was clearly out at first base. The ump wanted to be tough bad guy and say he was safe to ruin a perfect game on the last out. And clearly the guy was out. There's nothing you could do but end the game as best as possible and move on. This is always the situation in, like, humanity and life, things of, you know, certain circumstances where you have to try to move on. And it's like, no, that's wrong. That's an error. Write it. But, like, in basketball or baseball or tennis, or football, however you look at it, you can't bring that game back, especially in a football game. Like, they need seven whole days to readjust themselves to get back on the field. But this is a basketball game. They're having to fly to the next city to go play the next team, however, so on and so forth. And this is a rivalry game where everybody's been watching this for over 40 years. The Celtics and the Lakers going at it for over that amount. So it bothers me that these refs get away with it, and uh, if, the players or coaches say something, they get fined. The referees, if they get fined, you don't hear about it. It's, you know, kept on the wraps and on the ice and move on. Like, and you don't even get to know where the ref is going to be at the next time unless they really make a big stink about it. This has to get cleared up, like, now. If, if otherwise, then you're going to have to bring out robotic referees, I guess, or something, and, and be able to have replays all over the board instead of having a few replays here or there by each team, so on and so forth. It, it's It's catastrophic especially when the referees play judge and jury and you can't say anything bigger or better than what I'm going to say. It's like, what? And um, 
I'm on the fence about Patrick Beverly. Like, Patrick Beverly was, like, trying to bring it to his attention. Like, if you're not going to see it in here because Boston's not going to keep replaying the replay, I'm going to show you what you missed. And it's a clear hack on LeBron's arm. And they gave him a technique because he showed him an image on a camera, like of a basketball play. How do you? How did you give him a technical on a picture? Like how, how's that? A, how's, I don't. I don't get that. They're like, as much as I don't like the Lakers because of the rivalry that the Sonics and the Thunder had with them. Okay, but analytically, being a, a fan of the game, it's like this. This is ridiculous. That this is how far that these games have come. Hearing LeBron's presser at the end of the game. LeBron brought up four different situations in the past two weeks that the Lakers have lost games because of the referees messing up at the end of the game, and there's no accountability. LeBron, I feel bad for you, especially the level of play that you're on at this point in time in your career, all that you've done, and they're not giving you that same quality or respect out there in the game. I get it. Like, you don't get enough calls to get to the free throw line. You're a bull, so they kind of try to – measure how they're going to call the game, but call the game right. Call it fair. Don't do it because he's 270 pounds at 6'8 and runs like a deer. Like, if he's getting hit, he's getting hit. You got to call it, like, unless you start calling charging and things of that. Like, this kind of puts the referee in the spectrum now. So, it's interesting, but they can't bring the game back. Whether they, the team wins or loses, this this is a big situation that they have to, you know, I, I don't even know what word to write, rightly say in this point in time, but it's it's bad that it's coming down to this in a lot of these games and moving forward, you would think technology or human error would kind of clean itself up. And it hasn't, it, it really hasn't. Um, anything else that you guys would like to say before we do get away from it? No, 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 Brian says no. Mike, what did you say before we, you know? I said I agree with you. We just need to stop messing with the integrity of the game, man. Let the players decide and call it right. Uh, because at the end of the day, it's a lot riding on these games, man. And and these, you know, it it just needs to be fair and just. That's it. Okay, so they at least at least these guys are taking it well. These guys are good guys. That's that's just one thing I'm fortunate to have some some level-headed guys, even though if it was just me and them on the phone, I think this conversation would get a little bit uglier. But for you people out there Agreed. in the World Wide Web, they are keeping this G-rated. Not even PG, they are being G-rated. They're being good guys today because if it was PG, they'd probably be a little bit more nastier. Okay, so it's beginning to look like, like Christmas. The call-in number is 929-477-2759. Continue to lock in and load in with the boys while we cook up the best that we can. SportsCityChef.com is the website. You already know what to do. Now, <laughs> I, I and it's tough because Brian's here, and it, it's like um, I, I like to, like, feed the situation last, you know, but I, I kind of want to get a good realm of, like, which way we go, but I can't hide the Niners. I got to, they're, they're the first game on slate. So the first game are the San Francisco 49ers visiting the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, seeds one and two in the NFC. Um, this, both games have the best matchup to me. Both games. It, there's no, oh, well, this is the game of the day. This, the, both of them, it's like I wish they could play at the same time and I had two split TVs to watch how it goes down. I'm at the edge of my seat getting ready to talk about this game. 
So first, I guess I got to go with the visiting team, and we'll talk about the Niners first. I don't want to get in the scores yet because we got time. Um, Mike, I'll go to you first. I got to say Brian for last because he's the resident fan here. Um, your thoughts on the Niners? Well, no, I'm doing them together. I'm not even going to do one by one, team by team. I, I got to make this tough, too. Offensive units first. Which offensive unit do you, you know, you want to break down? And Well, not even which. I'll let you break down both and edge. I'll let you get all of it out. Your thoughts on both San Francisco and Philly's offensive units? So offensive side of the ball, man, it's really going to come down to a couple of things. For me, um, the rookie quarterback in San Francisco and Brock Purdy, how does he handle the noise and the hostile crowd? This is going to be – a different level. These Philly fans are amped up, man. They're ready. Uh, you know, they're hosting this uh, uh, NFC Championship game. So there's going to be a different level of hostility and loudness in this stadium. So how how does he deal with the noise and the hostile environment? We know that he has all the weapons that he needs around him. He's got McCaffrey. He's got Kittle. He's got Debo. He's got Ayuk. He's got all the uh, pieces that he needs in order to be successful, but can he remain steady in the face of adversity, in the face of that environment, and distribute the ball where it needs to go? Um, and also, how does he handle the looks that the uh, Eagles are going to give him? Because you know they're going to try to cook up some some different blitzes and do some disguises and things to try to confuse the rookie. So, um, but how does he handle that in the face of adversity? Uh, we're going to see because. In a lot of ways, with all the weapons that he has around him, it's just a matter of, you know, can Brock Purdy remain steady? Can he be cool hand Luke, right, like in the face of adversity? Uh, That's what I'm looking for on the offensive side of the ball for San Francisco. On the other side of the ball, listen, we saw uh, Jalen Hurts make some big throws last week. He looked okay. He looked like that shoulder was doing all right. The question is, how is that shoulder holding up? Um, And once again, this San Francisco team, you know, this isn't the Giants defense. And the Giants defense was not bad, but uh, Nick Bosa is a different animal. Uh, Fred Warner is a different animal. This is a different level of defense. This is a step up in competition. Those windows are going to be a little bit different. Once again, you got the weapons down the field. You got AJ Brown. You got Devonta Smith. You got you got the pieces in place. Um, I like San Francisco's running game a little better as far as uh, I'll take McCaffrey and what's it Mitchell over um, whoever you're going to put back there Sanders, Gainwell, Scott. Those guys I, I like the running backs from San Francisco a little bit better, um, but. Once again, how does Jalen Hurts to, – to me, it really, really comes down to these quarterbacks. How does Jalen Hurts handle the the blitzes and the different looks that they put – that they that they throw at him? Because uh, San Francisco probably has a – even though watching them against Seattle in a couple games, you would question it. But over the course of the entire year, I think this 49ers defense has been the best defense in the National Football League. So, uh, you know, how do Jalen Hurts and the Eagles attack that? And, you know, and then, you know, once we get to the defense side of the ball, I'll hit something like that. But can Jalen Hurts take off when he needs to? Can he keep the chains moving and get those positive yards? And can that shoulder hold up? That's that's what we're looking for on that side. 
okay, so I'm going to break it down before I let Brian go because i got to let him, you know, wrap up this situation as best as he can. I'm doing it on both sides for him. Um, offensively, i got to go with the visitors first. Um, to me, the Eagles may be the best team in the NFL, right, record-wise. I think in this matchup, San Francisco's offense is the better offense, even though I have to give the edge to Jalen Hurts at the quarterback position because he has more experience because he spent more time in the league, and he has been at least through a season of NFL play. Brock Purdy has played all of eight games total at this point in time and has been on a winning streak since he stepped on the field. And it's like this guy's playing like he's been here before. He's playing with house money, and it's like he's already been wealthy. Forget rich. He's been wealthy. Forget house money. Like, he don't need it. Like, he can go crazy with it. And it's like all of the weapons around him, all he has to do is manage. Just do the best that he can and not turn the ball over, and they should be in, in the realm of winning the game if he does well. This game is coming down to both quarterbacks. I don't want to spill too much into Philly because I want to save the wrap-up for Philly when I go into that side of the situation. But the receiving core, I give the edge to San Francisco, especially adding Kittle to it. I think Kittle is bigger than Goddard at the tight end position. I think Kittle, Kelsey, and Mark Andrews are your top tight ends in the league. To me, that's how I feel. And um, Goddard is probably top ten. He's probably in that discussion. He's going to probably have some big catches in this game, but – I think there's a lot of explosive players in San Francisco's offense, especially with the running back core. Like, they could spell running backs in and out, and they don't really miss a beat, and they can willingly run the ball and get what they need. Like, of course, there's plays where you stop for one, two, three yards here, but they are mostly positive yards. But this is a Philadelphia defense that they're going up against, and I still feel like they'll be effective. Now, looking at the other side of the ball, looking at Philadelphia's offense, they are tough because it's 11 guys on the field. And when I say the 11th guy, I'm talking about the other quarterback, and that's why I didn't want to spill it to him, being Jalen Hurts. When everything is covered, including the flats, you still have at least four guys and a spy left to worry about a quarterback that probably runs a 4-5, unless it's higher. I don't really know his 40 time off the top of my head. But Jalen Hurts is a tough cover because he's that 11th guy. If he sees a little bit of daylight or – grass. He could take off and make a tough old linebacker to keep up with him, or safety will have to come upfield and try to make a play that'll open the game up. So San Francisco's going to have to be responsible all across the board. Yes, San Francisco has the best defense in the league, but I want to see if they could get home to him as best as possible, because this has been the threat that Philly has been posing to every single defense that they played. If you can slow that game down or affect him, it, it could be interesting for Philly, but Philly's offense is really led around Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts deserves more credit than they give him right now. And um, their running game has been great. Their offensive line is a top-five offensive line. Uh, their receiving core is good, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and the others. But I feel like they can do better. They have done great work up until this point. But I give the edge to San Francisco's offense at this point in time in this game. Brian, your thoughts on both of these teams, San Francisco, Visiting Philly in the offensive side, not defense yet. Offense first. Well, man, it's 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 going to be tough because when you're looking at the offense, obviously you have to look at the defense as well because the offense isn't on the field by themselves. So when you look at San Francisco's offense, you have to consider Eagle, the Eagles' defense. 
and vice versa. When, when you're considering San Francisco's offense, you have to consider the Eagles' defense. I think both of these offenses, I mean, you know, and, and it's not even a think, it's a, a no. If you look since Brock Purdy has started, <clears throat> since week 14, both of these offenses have been a top five offense, including the playoffs. Um, so both of these offenses are equipped to run the ball, if that's what the situation dictates, throw the ball, if that's what the situation dictates. As you mentioned, Ty, they have playmakers everywhere. I might like the playmakers slightly, and it's slight, but I might like the playmakers slightly better for San Francisco, but I would also argue, even as a Niners fan, when you look at, say, hey, Slay and Bradbury, I think their corner duo is probably better than San Francisco's. Um, and actually, that, that that's a slight on them. They are better than the duo in San Francisco. So the point being is, whatever edge you may give to the Niners' offense, just from a specifically from a talent perspective, some of that is going to be mitigated by the fact that the Philadelphia Eagles, especially on the edge, extremely talented, very talented. Their front four is extremely talented. Um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm trying to follow the trend that you've kind of laid out, so I don't want to get too into matchups and all that, but I really think this could be a game that's really won and lost by mistakes and coaching. I mean, really, it's that close. When you look across the board, there's nowhere that you can say definitively, oh, this team is so much better than the other team. Um, and I understand everybody wants to point to the quarterback. And, Ty, before I throw it back to you, I'll just, I'll just say this. Brock Purdy, although this is his rookie year, has more playoff wins right now than Jalen Hurts does. And I understand that that's, you know, that's somewhat, somewhat you know, some fodder. But the point being is Jalen Hurts only has two playoff starts. We all know playoffs is a different beast. It's a different animal. Brock Purdy has played in two playoff games. He's 2-0. and Jalen Hurts has played in two playoff games. He's 1-1. One one. These are both young kids with a combined age of under 48. This is the youngest quarterback duo to ever start an NFC championship game. There will be mistakes made, and I think that that's going to, in a large part, dictate how this game goes. Fair enough. So now we can, now I can let you let all of this mesh together. I'll go to you first again, Mike. Your thoughts on the defenses, one and two in the league, being San Francisco's number one ranked defense up against the number two ranked defense in Philadelphia. Philadelphia probably has that home field effect, but your thoughts on both of these defenses to kind of round out this situation. So, like I said, I, I think Nick Bosa, I, I agree with him that the, the defensive front four from Philly is talented. I like their cornerbacks um, as well. I, I think the San Francisco unit is a more complete unit. I'm wondering if maybe when planning this thing out, you asked Fred Warner, who makes some incredible plays from the linebacker position. I'm wondering if you put him as your spy on Jalen Hurts today. Anytime that guy gets out of the pocket, because uh, Warner's got the speed to do so, anytime he gets out of the pocket, it's your job to track him down. Uh, to me, 
San Francisco has got to devise some sort of game plan where they account for exactly what you were talking about earlier, TP, uh, because if things break down and he sees any daylight at all, Jalen Hurts is going to run to daylight. He's going to get positive yards. He's going to keep chains moving. Um, and this offense is going to continue to turn. So, to me, I think you have to put a spy on Jalen Hurts, and you got to do something to account for the mobility of this quarterback. Um, like I said, defensively on, on Philly's side, I I believe that they're going to try to disguise blitzes. I think they're going to try to do whatever they can to confuse this rookie who's got, what, maybe 10 stars under his belt, con- including the playoffs. So I think you're going to try to do some things there to to try to confuse him and throw him off. And how does he handle the noise, um, you know, is another thing. Uh, I, there are some talented players on the defensive side of the ball from Philly, but I would give the edge overall, like, as far as defensive unit altogether, I would give a slight edge to San Francisco. Okay, so I'm going to see Brian last again. I'm going to do this as best as I possibly can. San Francisco being the visiting team first. Um, This is tough because the one question I have for San Francisco is the back end in their secondary. If they can do what they can enough to try and help win this game is great, but it's going to be tough to try to stay home with A.J. Brown, who's been making a mess of a lot of secondary players in the league. And uh, Devontae Smith, he has to have one of these games where he can break out and uh, use his speed to be electric up against a secondary where the only question of Billy, I can't even say as a whole, but where you could probably take advantage of San Francisco is in the, the back end and the secondary. So if if this offense could do well moving the ball through the air, this could put pres- uh, present problems for the Niners at this point in time. But um, looking at the Philadelphia seven, uh, the Eagles, I'm about to go to the Sixers again. I'm sorry, I'm talking football. But to, to the Eagles situation, I think their secondary is the strong point of their defense their front four get home, they get to the quarterback, but their linebacker core is where I feel like you can make it a problem for them too. So this is they, they all have their questionability. I can't call it a hole, but and I don't want to call it a weakness because the whole units are tough. Um, but they if they can get home and make this a, a worrisome game for Brock Purdy because he hasn't seen a defense this strong other than the, the Cowboys game that just went down last week, I think that's the strongest defense that he's seen up until this point presents a problem for San Francisco if Brock Purdy is playing with anxious energy or nervousness at this point in time because he's young and he hasn't really played too much football. At this point in time, he's at the halfway point of his NFL season in his career. Um, And everything's on the line. The Super Bowl is on the line. And Brock Purdy, for you to get this far, I tip my hat to you. But you're going up against a quality team, a quality defense, in the middle of Philadelphia where this is the house of horror for everybody, including the fans and how nasty they could be. And, and if he could uproot this situation, it would be incredible. And I think this story is as big as Jeff Hosteller, Tom Brady, and to Brock Purdy at this point in time. Um, but I'll do unit by unit. Front line, I'm giving the edge to San Francisco, even though the Eagles have – Four guys that have sacks, like they get to the quarterback up front. I still give San Francisco the credit, especially with Nick Bosa. If he doesn't win Defensive Player of the Year, uh, drug test the judges or whoever doing the voting drug test them. Um, linebacker core, especially with Fred Warner, I feel like they trump the Eagles 
and the the secondary, I give the edge to the Eagles. I think the Eagles secondary with Slay, Bradbury, and company, I think they'll make it difficult for these receivers to kind of get open with Debo and Ayuk and, and Kittle. If not, I feel like Kittle may have the matchup edge up against a safety or linebacker if they're covering him. So that is the security blanket for a quarterback. If Purdy can make that happen, this could be interesting enough. But the edge goes to San Francisco in my vision, both offensively and defensively, but they're in Philadelphia, and this makes it tough because San Francisco does not do well flying across the Mississippi River. So this is I'm at the edge of my seat for this matchup. Mr. Hughes, the floor is yours. All right, well, I appreciate that. Yeah, you know, there there's a lot of facets to this game that are that are very interesting. Obviously, I've already dropped a couple nugs, but like I said, the fact that both of these starting quarterbacks, you know, even though one of them is, you know, uh, Michael Jordan and the other one is Mr. Irrelevant, they've both had two career playoff starts. I think that that's important because whether or not you're starting at home or not is really irrelevant. If you get behind early, either one of these teams, whether it's the Niners or Philly, I think I think it's a really, really bad omen for these teams. I, I, I think the first team to score 20 in this game is probably the winner. I really do. I think this is going to look a lot like the Niners and uh, Dallas last week, meaning I think both teams are going to try and control the clock. I think both teams will play field possession. I think both teams are going to try and rely heavily on their running game. Um, And I think both teams, at least to a certain extent, will try to protect their quarterback. Um, I think Matt did bring up a super good point that I was going to bring up, um, and I do want to bring bring that up now. When you look at San Francisco's linebackers, for those of you that, I don't know, maybe haven't really been watching football, uh, I think that they have the best linebacker duo in the entire game. Um, So when you come out in a three-wide receiver set, which is what Philadelphia does on about 58% of their snaps, they come out in 11 personnel, one running back, one tight end. Typically, you're going to get matched up in nickel, meaning two linebackers, as you, you guys know. Both Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw are outstanding. And I think what you are going to see in this game, as was noted, I don't think you're going to see Fred Warner always spying, but I think you're going to see one of the linebackers following. I think you're going to see Nick Bosa and the other defensive end, whether it's uh, Ebukon, whether it's Amenahue, I think you're going to see them always crashing down on the running back and the linebacker essentially staying home and taking away that outside running lane. Um, I think that that's what you're going to see. I think that's going to be the Niners' game plan. Ryan's, Danico Ryan's, the defensive coordinator, has been phenomenal all year long. He's been phenomenal at second-half adjustments, which is the reason why the Niners have given up the least amount of points uh, in, in the second half in the entire league. They're very good at halftime adjustments. So with all that said, you look at this game and you look at essentially what the matchups are and what the game comes down to. Um, We have a game that just took place last year for a little bit of context. 
So the Niners did play Philly last year. Granted, it was only week two. It wasn't a playoff game. But you can look at that game for some context. Neither team scored more than 17 points. That's the first thing that needs to be noted. Number two, (coughs) Jalen didn't pass for more than 200 yards. Number three, Devontae Smith had two catches for 16 yards. I'm not saying I'm not saying that that's what he's going to have in this game, but my point being is, and this was also in Philadelphia because I think that that's important for context. If it was in San, San Francisco, totally different atmosphere, totally different ball game. But this was in Philly, so I say all this to say I think the the, the, the big I think the big horse that needs to get fed in this game, the the guy that the Niners have had issues with when they played him, is AJ Brown. Big physical receivers. Um, I could see Brown being an issue for the Niners. I think the team that runs the ball better is probably the team that wins. And I will tell you, everybody's waiting for Brock Purdy to turn into a pumpkin. Guys, I went back and watched the All-22 every single snap twice. Um, Several times where there was literally nobody open. And unlike, you know, his predecessor, Purdy just doesn't make bad decisions. If there's no one open, he'll take the sack. He'll he'll run outside the pocket and throw it away. The poise that the kid shows is unmatched. I mean, not to go back, but Ty, I I mean, this is the conversation we had last week on the show. I told you, the the, the quarterback that turns the ball over more is the team that's going to lose. Because, you know, obviously a lot of people thought Dallas was going to win that game. I, I knew Brock was going to outplay him. And I think what you're going to see in this matchup is I'm not necessarily saying Brock will be the reason why the Niners uh, win, but I also don't think he'll be the reason why they lose. So it's going to be contingent on the Niners to slow down the running game. They were number one in the league in rushing yards allowed. They were number one in the league in rushing yards allowed out of 11 personnel, allowing over only 3.1 yards per carry. And they're going to have to really focus in on that RPL. And they're going to have to really focus in on not letting Jalen get the edge. On the other side, the Niners are going to, to try to spread this out. They're, instead of playing horizontal like the Eagles like to do, they're, or instead of playing vertical like the Eagles like to do, they're going to spread this out. They're going to play horizontal. They're going to play from sideline to sideline. They're going to run a lot of zone stretch plays, see how fast those linebackers flow. They are going to test that line because here's the deal. Whether it's Hassan or Sweat, who are both phenomenal. Hassan obviously is much more the pass rusher, and I don't want to disrespect Sweat, but the bottom line is I heard 100 different people say last week, yeah, watch what Micah Parsons does to old man Trent Williams. Well, we all saw what happened. It's one thing when you're going up against McGlinchey. It's another thing when you're going up against Trent Williams. And if you think either one of those guys is going to move the immovable force in the run game, it's not going to happen. There's a reason why he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. So I think they're going to come out early, be in the Niners. They are going to run the ball. They're going to try and do it consistently, even if it means they have to punt from time to time. Because the deposits that you make early in a game, as you guys know, they pay dividends later on as we saw in that game against Dallas. Third and fourth quarter, the running game started to look a little bit better. The play action started to look a little bit better. And I think you're going to see Philly trying to do the same thing. It is a hostile environment. Two things that I want to refer back to, and I never want to act like 
the college atmosphere is on the same level as a pro stadium. So keep in mind, Purdy, number one, he played in Oklahoma in front of of 90,000 fans. He played in Texas in front of 100,000 fans screaming. He played in Seattle with with the NFC West Division title on the line. These are all scenarios in which he's played that he's already proven and shown that he would play well. Um, I think he's going to be fine. I will tell you, Ty, I envision in my head a lower-scoring game. I think that this game is going to be incredibly close, and like I said, I think it comes down to coaching. I I respect the heck out of what Sirianni and his staff has done, but the bottom line is very young staff, not a lot of experience. Niners have been to the NFC Championship game three times in the last five years. I think the Niners ultimately win this game. But like I told you before, I don't see, you know, first one to 20 wins. And so with that said, I'm going to go San Francisco 20 to 16. TP, can I respond to something he just said? Yes, go ahead. So he compared by, he said that it's not a fair, necessarily a fair comparison. He talked about them playing early on last year. That was without A.J. Brown. That was Jalen Hurts just in his second game uh, as a starter. And it was Devonta Smith really in his second game as a starter who hadn't really uh, caught up really to the speed of this game yet. So uh, that's kind of an apples to oranges comparison really if, if you really look at it. And then so I, I look at that, and then the other thing I will say is I agree with you that per, that Purdy can kind of be uh, cool under pressure, but there have been a, a few throws over the last couple of weeks that he just did kind of throw up there, and a couple of times dropped, or there were some uh, plays to be made on on the parts of the defense that where guys just weren't able to secure the ball. So that you can find a couple of plays where he might have thrown it up ill-advised. I understand and I agree that for the most part he makes good decisions, but you can find a couple of ill-advised throws that other guys didn't hang on to that really could have uh, could have bitten the Niners. So, um, you know, I, once again, he, he's, uh, he's cool under pressure, but, but he, has, he has had a couple of plays where he's just kind of thrown it up there. And he was kind of fortunate not to uh, not to get picked off. Hey, Tack, can I can I respond back as well? So of course, I, I yeah, appreciate yeah. I yeah I, I appreciate I appreciate the sentiment, Mike, to try and make you know just to kind of give scope. But here's why I brought it up from week two. I understand he only had two starts, but where where Brock Purdy only has eight starts. The point being is is that if you look at the Eagles' offense and defense from last year, and you look at the Niners' offense and defense from last year, it's about 88% of the players that played in that game that played in this game. So I would say it is a fair comparison. Yes, A.J. Brown didn't play, but if you really want to be technical, Christian McCaffrey didn't play, and he scored more touchdowns since he came to the Niners than anyone. So you could say the Niners are actually quite a bit better than they were when they played. I think that they They're both played a quarterback. Garoppolo played last year. Birdie's, Purdy's playing this year. So I only said that for context because the point being is that you had almost 90% of the starters from last year playing that, played, that will play again this year. The fact that it was a lower-scoring game, I think you're going to see something similar. And as far as the Purdy thing goes, listen, no question, everybody has those oops moments. 
But when you're talking about what has Purdy done, for example, in the last six games, Purdy's thrown 16 touchdowns, two interceptions um, since he became the starter. And those two interceptions, one of them hit Juwan Jennings right in the hand and popped up to the Washington Washington team. And the other one, the other one should have been caught by Debo and hit off his hand. The pass last week that everybody keeps want to be keeps talking about, like, oh man, Diggs should have caught that. That was a bad pass. That hit off of Anthony Barr's shoulder pad. That wasn't an errant throw. So I get what you're saying, but I would say he's been extremely careful with the ball. He's done extremely well with the ball. Yes. Has there been some circumstances or issues that could have potentially led to turnovers? Absolutely. Finding a quarterback in the NFL that hasn't. But once again, when you're comparing him to other quarterbacks, I'm not even going to say rookie because it's point we're in the championship game. But when you're looking at him compared to other quarterbacks, I would say he's pretty careful with the ball. That's all I was getting at. Okay, if, if there's anything else that you'd like to say, Mike, before we get away from it, because I, I do want to delve into the next game. And well, well, actually, I didn't even. Brian already gave me, so I wanted to say scores at the end, but I might as well just let you go give a score. Mike, give me a score of the game. Who do you like in this matchup, Niners Eagles? I'm just, I've kind of gone back and forth about this game a lot, and obviously, I can see a path to victory for both sides, uh, but. I, you know, I, I rode with the Niners last week. I'm going to ride with them again. I think it's going to be close. I do agree it's going to be low scoring. Uh, you know, I, I think we're talking 24-20, 20-17, something like that. I, I, I think it's going to be a pretty low scoring game. Uh, but I'm going with the Niners just because I think I think they have more weapons on the offensive side than the Eagles and even though I like to see the Eagles secondary better, as we talked about before, I like the San Francisco defense as a whole. I think they can overcome the disadvantage of the road environment. And the other thing that I will say is one thing that I have seen with the Niners is I, I just think this is a really complete, complete team. The one week that the defense kind of let them down, the offense picked them up. And then in the weeks that the offense hasn't been very good, uh, the defense has found a way to pick them up. So uh, it may not be pretty. I, as a matter of fact, I expect it to be an ugly but entertaining football game. But I think the Niners eke it out and go to the Super Bowl. Okay. Um, I'm going to move right into it because I'm saving mine for last. I'm ending the show with my dog on pitch. These guys are already opening up their gifts. So that's good because that's what I do at Christmas. I let my siblings go crazy. They they get their Nintendo 64, their PlayStations and all that other stuff. I'll wait to open mine last. I'll, I'll have the last laugh or the last smile later. Now, here goes another situation, but this one has a pretty more heavier mystique to it. We could just rewind 12 months ago. Just 12 months ago. 2022, same dog on championship week, same scene of the crime, same teams, the same two of them. You got the dog on Cincinnati Bengals coming from Ohio to go to Kansas City, Missouri to play the hot Kansas City Chiefs with a Tyreek Hill. I cannot set up any better scenario than what we see at this point in time. This is incredible that they have this game revisiting itself. And oh, yes. You wouldn't think what I'm about to say is going down. 
The Cincinnati Bengals have not lost to the Chiefs since Joseph Burrow has been behind center in these games. It's unfortunate his first season that he played, that offensive line is what it still is right now, questionable, because they get home to him and sack him. He's been able to do this type of work with the offensive line in front of him and get right back to the championship game again. Joe Burrow had to learn this as of last year. I became a big-time fan when I learned me and you got a commonality. The sun, the moon, and the stars are in the same line for me and you, 10 years different. So I love that. But the one thing I look at with Kansas City is, Andy Reid is a juggernaut coaching. Like, he's at least top three coach in the league, if not top two. I really want to just say Belichick him. But people could throw the debate out there if they want. But I'm going to throw this one around a lot, see how you guys feel about it, Brian. You were going last because your Niners were on slate. I'm going to let you go first. Defensive-wise, I'll let you go Cincy first. Defensive, uh, for Cincy coming in the building, what they have to do to win this game. Brian, are you there? Can you hear me, Brian? I, I, you know what? I apologize, James. I was muted. Um, yeah, you know what? Ty, the path to victory is actually pretty easy. Um, I picked against them last week um, because I said, hey, they had three backup offensive linemen. I had questions marks about being able to go into Buffalo, hostile environment. Weather was horrific. And I think we could all agree against a pretty darn good Bills front and Bills defense, they absolutely dominated the line of scrimmage, both offensively and defensively. I'll tell you this right now. If Cincinnati plays like they did last week, Kansas City has no shot. And I, I, I just plain and simple, they have no shot. Because, number one, anybody who's ever played football or played any kind of sports and got a high ankle sprain, as, as, as bad as that ankle is feeling day one, if you don't think that it feels ten times worse day five or six, you're crazy. And I understand he's going to get treatments and this and that, but if you think he's going to be able to effectively play action, he was having a hard time getting under center just doing a handoff, uh, being Patrick Mahomes. So I have to take that into consideration. Uh, my, I have to do the eye test, Ty, and listen – I hate trap games like this, and I say this because when you have the best quarterback quite possibly that the history of the game has ever seen, and Patrick Mahomes, you're talking about a guy that in his first six full seasons as a uh, a pro has made it to the AFC Championship game five times. I mean, <laughs> it, Belichick, Belichick and Brady were on one level. This might be a, a whole nother level. Um, so, you know, obviously I don't want to tout the kid before the career is over. He's only 27, but what he's accomplished to this point, what he has shown his ability to be, there's an argument to be made if you just multiplied his numbers out and gave him, you know, another six to eight year career, he could be the greatest all time. Now, with that being said, um, Joe Cool is no slouch as well. And I think Joe Burrow in the last game, for those people that maybe haven't been paying attention because, as Mike alluded to, got off to a little bit of a slower start. Everybody has kind of said that the NFL is kind of dominated by two younger quarterbacks, being Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. I think Joe, Joe, Joe Burrow just put everybody on notice. 
that there's a there's a new gunslinger in town, and that it's probably Josh Allen's probably not number two anymore, and that that probably goes to Burrow, and at times you could even make the argument maybe he's one ish, one A one B if you will. So I say that only to say that um, I expect this game to be really really good. Um, I expect this game. I mean, we got if, if at the beginning of the season if you knew how the season was going to play out, but the playoffs hadn't started. These are the four teams that I would have picked to be in the championship game. Very rarely do I feel like we get legitimately the four best teams. I feel like we legitimately got the four best teams in the championship game. I'm going to pick uh, Cincy. I'm not going to feel great about it, but I can't, I can't unwatch what I seen last week and the utter destruction of the offensive and defensive line, if you're going to give if you're going to give Burrow that kind of time with those weapons, if you are going to stop the run, to you know and make essentially you know the Chiefs one dimensional, I mean Cincinnati showed they they have some ball hawks on the back end um, of their defense, and I, I really I really like the roster that uh, Zach Johnson has uh, created, and I really like you know Burrow and and as you mentioned. Since Burrow has been the starting quarterback in Cincinnati, uh, they have not lost to Kansas City. So uh, for that, I'm not going to give a score yet, but I will say I do believe that that Cincinnati does want to go, again, go into hostile territory and take out the Goliath uh, and move on to the Super Bowl for the second year in a row. And just a quick caveat, you said two or three. I'm going to go ahead and just say it. It may not be popular. Andy Reid is the best coach in the NFL currently, period. And I know you can make the debate for Belichick. I don't think it's that close. I think since Belichick has lost uh, Brady, I think that I think that we have seen that they were a much better pairing than on their own. And uh, I think that Andy Reid has shown not only can I develop and draft, but I can do it at multiple locations. You're gonna make me start a wildfire. You trying to put Andy Reid up in front of Bill Belichick? You're, you stop it! <laughs> you stop it! You're gonna make me go crazy. Okay, okay. I do have a caller in queue calling out of the nine one seven area code. Welcome to the brunch. What's your name and what's on your mind this afternoon on the Eastern Standard Board? Yo, good morning, squad. This is David in Stanford, Connecticut. Just calling to uh, listen to you guys talk about football. And, uh, yeah, I, no, I mean, I, I joined in late because I was at church before, but, uh, you know, it is Sunday. But I, I wanted to say, you know, I think you're getting a little hyperbolic talking about Mahomes over there. And you uh, you contradicted yourself, you know, respectfully, because you just said, I'm not going to compare him like his career's over, but he is the greatest of all time. It's like, gee whiz, man. <laughs> like, which whiz, which is it? But either way. Yeah, he's. I think the Bengals are lucky he is hurt because I think that they would absolutely get their first loss this year if it wasn't for that ankle injury. But I think you guys might be right. I think the Bengals might be pulling it out this week. Wait a minute. Okay. Um, There's only one person that's picked them so far. Not you guys. Don't don't put plural on that yet. Okay, Mike. I'll let you go after uh, Dave is gone. Defense only. Uh, we, we, Dave kind of jumped into the middle of it. Don't really got too much of where I was at. But Cincinnati, 
defense at this point in time, your thoughts on what they need to do to make this tough for Burrow and company on the road. All right, cool. So I'm just doing Cincinnati's defense, not Kansas City's yet, correct? So I I think with Cincinnati's defense, man, they just got to continue to do what they do. Cincinnati has been very good in the red zone. Uh, They they study that and they they make it a point of emphasis. Guys like Von Bell, um, you can count on Eli Apple getting roasted at some point in this game. That's just going to happen. But defensively, uh, Pat Mahomes can make throws. Uh, Pacheco has been a weapon. Uh, Cincinnati is going to have to really control Pacheco and control that run game. You think about Mahomes and what he can do. We got to see mobility-wise how well he can move this week. Uh, But Pacheco with McKinnon out of the backfield, um, there is Kansas City is much more of a a threat to run the ball and and kind of sometimes control the pocket or give them balance. And so Cincinnati is going to have to start with being able to stop the run uh, against Kansas City. And the other thing they're going to, that Cincinnati's defense is going to do is tighten up in the red zone and at times cause Kansas City to settle for three and not seven. Uh, so those are the two biggest things that I look. If you look at, at Cincinnati's defense this year, they've had very good ratings in the red zone and being able to keep teams out of the end zone. That's going to have to continue. Um, this week uh, for them, and they're going to have to find a way to at least contain Travis Kelsey. You're not going to stop him. You can only hope to contain him, and they're going to have to contain Travis Kelsey and not let him go crazy. Um, I'm I'm looking at one thing and one thing only for Cincinnati to make this a game, their front four. Knowing that Mahomes is hobbled, after having somebody fall on his ankle and make this a, a big question mark for Kansas City, they have to put extreme pressure on Mahomes. And knowing that Mahomes is one of those quarterbacks that's not your normal scrambler, but he can take off and get chunk yardage whenever he needs to do it. And that that's a big situation in Kansas City when you're guarding everything across the board, all the receivers and Kelsey, that he could see daylight and pick up a 27-yard run just because the whole middle of the field is gone. Like, he's basically playing football by himself when you see him running upfield by himself. Cincinnati's going to have to present pressure, at least with that front four, or get home with the linebacker court one way or another. And there's one guy that has been talking junk since last year that um, he's making his bed, hopefully that he's comfortable, because he's going to end up sleeping in it. And that's Eli Apple. Eli Apple has been calling people out since last year. Things kind of fell apart last year in the Super Bowl, but he's back here respectively where the defensive unit has been fortunate enough to have a strong offense at this point in time. Um, Cincinnati's doing their thing. They are doing their thing. But um, this is a tough task to go up against a hungry team that faced defeat at the same scene of the crime just 12 months ago, same week, same championship game. Okay, Kansas City's defense. Dave, I'm going to come to you first. Your thoughts on the Kansas City Chiefs defense and what they need to do to win this game. Oh, man. They call order, man. And, like, that that offensive that they're looking at on the other side is, I mean, one of the best all around we've seen, I think, in a long time. I mean, and, and you know, 
I, I think on the other side, you know, obviously the 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 other fa- the favorite on the other side has a pretty impressive offense too. On you know the Eagles, but I, I don't know that 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 offense looks unstoppable right now. Cincinnati, it's it's to me that their only hope would have been a shootout with Mahomes. I don't like to answer your question, Ty. I don't think the defense really can do it. I think the defense is going to just basically get get pushed around give up a lot of points, and their only hope would be Mahomes doing his Mahomes thing and getting four touchdowns and winning this game with a last-minute drive. With the injury, that might be tough. I mean, Henny looked pretty good last week, but I don't think he's going to – I mean, I'm thinking no one thinks that he thinks – or no one thinks that he can do that Mahomes thing. You know what I mean? Even though he can maybe put a good drive or two together. So – you know, unless 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 Mahomes' ankle is really okay, it's going to be tough. Answer that. Okay, Mike, your thoughts on Kansas City's defense? What they need to do to take care of business in Arrowhead? So when I look at this with Kansas City's defense, you know, uh, Brian was talking about earlier. He cannot unsee what he saw last week when it comes to uh, Cincinnati and Buffalo. The difference is Buffalo doesn't have guys that get home in the pass rush, uh, especially with Bon Miller out and whatever. They might have some beef and a decent front four, but they don't have guys that get home the same way. Um, that I mean, you look at them a couple of weeks ago, they played Baltimore. Baltimore can get home up front, and they were able to hurry Joe Burrow and make it a very close game, even with Tyler Hundley as the backup. And it was a very, very, very highly contested football game uh, two weeks ago. So I can't unsee that just as much as I can't unsee what happened last week. Uh, Steve Spagnuolo, uh, except for his one year in New Orleans, which was an absolute train wreck on the defensive side of the ball, has proven to be a very uh, – capable defensive coordinator for many years in this league, first with the Giants, now with Kansas City. Um, He loves to blitz. He loves to uh, design things to put pressure on the quarterback. And you got a guy like Chris Jones up front. You got guys who, uh, Frank Clark, you got guys that can get home uh, on that defensive line. And so what Kansas City has to do is really pressure Joe Burrow. Uh, last week, he got the ball out of his hand quick, made some quick throws and distributed the ball uh, effectively to his weapons on the field. What Kansas City needs to do is make sure that some of these quick throws become hurried throws, uh, become throws that are not in rhythm, become throws that, uh, you know, as – People that have been on the field and played this game uh, at any level know uh, disrupt timing, right? Because uh, when, when things go well, it definitely looks like uh, a timing thing. Uh, but just knocking things off by a second or half a second here or there can really uh, can really throw things off. So Kansas City has to hurry Joe Burrow and, like I said, make these quick throws, rush throws. Um, and, and that's the biggest thing. They got to be able to get home. They got to be able to pressure him and hit him. Okay. And uh, Bry, I'll let you wrap this situation up with Kansas City's defense. What What is it going to take to slow down 
who day nation or who yeah they who day they who day nation how do they slow down the orange and black well i think i think mike brought up a good point i think i think the the way that you slow them down is i think number one you you have to get home you have to get pressure on burrow if burrow's just sitting in the back of the pocket and you know comfortable free to operate the way he wants it's going to be a long day. It's going to be a long day. The caveat to that, as everyone knows, is if you're blitzing or pinning your ears back, as they say, um, you got to worry about Joe Mixon as well. So you got to be in a position to pin your ears back. So I do think that this game is going to be super interesting the first, call it quarter and a half, because, you know, I think I think the team with the lead, you know, the team with the lead is going to, you know, have more liberties than the team that doesn't. I think if Cincinnati has the lead in the third quarter, even if it's only seven points, human nature dictates that you can't help but start thinking, here we go again. You know, they're going to win another one. So I really think even though typically it's more important for the road team, I really think that this is one of those scenarios where Kansas City's offense really does need to get out to a hot start. They need to score points early. They need to show A, they're in the game, and B, we need to see what that ankle really looks like. Because, like I said, if he's if Mahomes is not able to play action, if he's not able to effectively take snaps under center, and he's in shotgun, it severely limits what they're capable of doing. So his health is, is the first and foremost. And then the second thing is, I think they need to get off to a good start. So we've covered the defenses. Now the fireworks. Cincinnati's offense going first. Um, I'll go first. I'll go to Dave next. Um, this offense has caught everybody by storm in the past season or so. So last year, the connection with Burrow to Chase has become prevalent in all conversations and it continued into this season. You would think that defenses would pick up on what they do and they really can't stop a lot of what they do. And you know historically they say the team that loses the Super Bowl doesn't really come back and have success. Normally, normally, this team is a threat to get to the Super Bowl again and could potentially do it again with the offensive unit being the strength of their team led by the head of the snake, Joseph Burrow. Um, I could say a lot about them, and the one thing that they do have a good mix, similar to what San Francisco has, is their run game can be just as effective. Even if you do get a defensive stop of one yard, three yards here or there, they are moving the ball positively. You don't get too many stops in the backfield, even though it can happen. It's a football game. Those stops can happen. But normally you get mixing in those boys to move the ball best as possible to set up those play-action situations, to get throws downfield where you'll see a lot of one-on-ones with Higgins, Boyd, and, of course, Chase again, the monster. Um, it could serve a lot of problems, let alone Hayden Hurst is a tight end that they got now that's a threat in that receiving game. This this spells a lot of trouble if Kansas City's defense isn't getting home to Burrow. If Burrow is sitting back there with time, this poses a lot of problems in this game. Okay, so they've stepped off. I'll come to you next on this one. Mike, your thoughts on Cincinnati's offensive unit. I just think they got to stay balanced, um, and at times they're gonna have they're gonna have to be able to run the ball, and at times stick with it when 
it's not going well. Kind of like what Brian mentioned earlier with the last game. You sort of make some of those deposits in the run game uh, for later on. Um, we know that Burrow and Chase have chemistry. The thing that I think is different with Cincinnati's offense this year is I think Burrow has even better chemistry with Higgins. Uh, and I think that he's even got some decent chemistry with Hurst and Boyd. You know, I said going into this game to last week, I liked Cincinnati's weapons on the outside better than I liked Buffalo's. I, I still think the same here. I like Kelsey on uh, Kansas City at the tight end position, but I, I like the overall group of receivers and tight end um, that Cincinnati brings to the table. Um, so, They've, they've got to stay balanced. Okay, and it was it was actually Brian. I still have Dave here. Dave, your thoughts on Cincinnati's offense, what they need to do to take care of business, again, at the same scene of the crime? I think what's impressive about them is that when, that when the other defenses key in on Chase, which they all seem to do, they, you know, Boyd, Hawkinson jump in there, pick up the slack. And obviously, I mean, you can't say enough about it. You guys have been. Mr. Snowborough is just, like, too cool, you know. Like, he, he can't be phased, you know. Like, the pressure would be key. Somehow they've been figuring out the pressure. That's why, I, you know, you guys keyed on. And then, you know, that was pretty much the obvious answer of what the defense could do. But. Um, I don't know. I don't know if 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 the offense is really stoppable because of the fact that they have so many weapons to fill in when the defense wants to shut one of them down. When they want to shut Mixon down, you know, like it's like, well, there's so many passing weapons. It's, it's and then when you know when they key in on passing weapons, then they can sit in there waiting. You know, so it's it's just really an all around full-on attack, so, you know, <laughs> good luck, Chiefs. <laughs> this this is a real tough situation. So now I'm going to come right back to you, Dave. Kansas City's offense being the home team that everybody's known this offense for at least the past four or five years being a juggernaut. With Andy Reid being the mastermind, the Wizard of Oz, wherever we look at it, how do they redeem themselves at home? Yeah, I think I might have missed – I came in late. I might have missed the, the, the Dinsey defense because I think to, to kind of double that, the, the, those two answers, that's the key, I think, is you got to shut down Kelsey with the Kansas City offense because I don't – unlike Cincy, I don't think they really have those wide receiver weapons. I mean, Kadarius Tony. I mean, yeah, I know he's gotten some catches. I know he's done a little something, something for them. But I don't think that's what's going to get you over the top when, when a, when an NFL defensive coaching staff is taking out Travis Kelsey with just you know NFL strategy. You know, so I think the key there is is going to be Kelsey. If if he does his two touchdown thing, then they're going to be they're going to be right in there playing for the win in the fourth quarter. Fair enough. Okay, uh, Mr. Harvey, give me your thoughts on. Kansas City's offense, how do they get this done up against the Bengals of Cincinnati? 
first of all, Patrick Mahomes has to be able to move. Um, and, and that's the thing. That's what makes this game so hard to predict right now because we haven't seen anything and they're keeping that under wraps. So Patrick Mahomes has to be able to move, whether it be play action or whatever. But to me, Kansas City, once again, we know that Mahomes can make throws and we know that he's going to make throws that, quite frankly, no other quarterback can make in this league. Uh, but Kansas City has to be able to run the ball. They got to be able to stick with the run. Pacheco has turned out to be a very legitimate weapon for them. He's a big guy. And when you look at like his 40 times and whatever else, I have no clue, uh, other than maybe the fact that he came from Rutgers, how he fell so far in this draft. Um, but Pacheco's got to have a big game. They've got to be able to uh, run the ball at times and, once again, remain balanced. Because uh, that's the one thing that, that Buffalo did not do last week um, at their own peril. Uh, they did not establish much of a running game. Josh Allen threw the ball almost 50 times or whatever he threw it last week. Um, so Kansas City has to establish the run. Uh, and they got to mix in balance. And with Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy, I think they can do that. Um, I just think that Pacheco with McKinnon and whatever else this team has presents a greater threat in the running game more so than than what Buffalo did a week ago. If they can do that and Mahomes can move at all, then we know he can make plays down the field. It's almost like you take for granted that Mahomes is going to get his. So you got to have the other side of the of that coin be able to at least give you some production. If you can do that, I think they're going to be fine. Okay, so we have this all balanced out. We went off as the defense from both the NFC side of the situation. We are now finishing up the AFC, which is starting at 6.30 Eastern Standard Time. I cannot tell you any more or stress this any bigger that I am so anxious to see these games get played as much as I want to put something on these games, I want to watch this game peacefully. I don't want to be nervous at picking this wrong, but I am at the end of this doggone show, and I told y'all I would save my picks at the end of this show. I do have Brian back in the building. Brian, give me your thoughts on how this game commences. Who do you like and why in a score and also a closeout? Listen, I... Um, I heard Matt. I think Matt makes some really good points about the running game. What I'm concerned about, Ty, like I said, I I know we've all played sports. I know we all have tried to play after a high ankle sprain the week after. I think your mobility is severely limited, but it is the championship game. Um, So I think a lot of it will come down to Pat Mahomes' mobility. If he's sitting back there in the pocket – and he's really not able to move because one of the things that makes him dangerous is not just that he's a great quarterback, a great thrower of the football, but that he does have um, a lot of escapability and the way that he improvises. He's not going to be able to run around and extend plays, in my opinion. And um, what I'd really like to see is I'd really like to see Cincinnati really bring the heat early and often on him and really test that out. Ultimately, I'm going to go with Cincinnati. I think that they're the healthier, they're hot, the hotter team. Um, and I, I, I think that they just, you know, smell blood in the water. I'm going to go Cincinnati winning this one. I'm going to go 31 to 17. 
of course. He's setting this up for a rematch from 34 years ago. If you don't know what I'm talking about, January of 1989, the Cincinnati Bengals played the San Francisco 49ers in the Super Bowl, capped off by a Joe Montana last-minute touchdown thrown to Jonathan Taylor. I am a Taylor, just so you know. Okay, so let, let's get that one out of the way. Anything that you'd like to close up with, Brad, before we start passing this one around? Absolutely, man. I just want to say thank you uh, to Sports City for allowing me the opportunity to come on. Ty, it's always a pleasure to chop things up with you and Matt. Um, I appreciate – I forgot his name. I apologize. I think you said John, the caller, coming in and uh, sharing his uh, thoughts and opinions as well. Ultimately, we hope for four um, highly competitive. We, we hope for two highly competitive games, and 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 no major injuries. Um, we're we're blessed to have, you know, a really good slate of games, and and let's just hope that they all live up to the billing. Okay, we'll keep this. No, no, I I got him. I I. I I try to make him aware of the situation in the midst of him saying it. Don't don't worry. I I'm trying. I I don't I can't read minds at the same time. Okay. So so let's throw this one around. Dave, I need your score on this game. I don't think I got a score out of I I need both scores. I need an NFC score out of you and I need an AFC score out of you and give me a close out as well as we shut the door I here on the brush. I'll start with AFC. I think I think I'm just gonna go with Mahomes is playing and he's and he's balling like we want, and we're gonna see one of the all-time games that 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 all of us football fans want and deserve out of this matchup that we love, and this just you know these two great teams. You know, let's not make it all about quarterbacks. Um, and uh, I but I say 42 to 41 Chiefs in in a yeah. in a barn burner. As far as as far as NFC, as far as NFC, I I really I'm gonna hate it. The Eagles are the best team though. The Eagles are gonna romp. They're gonna win in 34 to 20. So you leave it oh, to and, the and as far as the, as far as the closeout though, you guys are you guys are awesome. Thanks for doing another show. Love listening to you, all you guys. So leave it to DH to leave it to the Kelsey Brothers Super Bowl. We already had the Harbaugh Brothers Super Bowl. He's setting up a Kelsey Brothers Super Bowl, Travis and Jay. This, this is interesting. This is inter- okay, so, Mike, it's all on you. Your thoughts on how this score goes down in the AFC. Who do you like and why? And give me a closeout as well. Man, so real quick on the closeout, check out the Barbershop on Clubhouse. We'll have live watch along today. So if you want to be entertained while the games are going on, pop by and check out the room. Also, man, uh, shout out to all those uh, chefs and not only the building today, but that you're here throughout the week. But as always, man, big thanks to you, TP. Without you, I wouldn't be here, man. So I appreciate you bringing me on board. Uh, we have the NFL free-for-all on Tuesday nights. The callers cook out on Wednesdays. A roundtable gumbo with Mr. Chandler Knight and myself on Thursday night. So uh, check us out. Any of our stuff, like and subscribe. The numbers always help. And then you can always get us on all your smart speaker devices and all that kind of stuff. So just uh, ask it to play Sports City Chefs, and you can listen to all the things that we got going on. Uh, listen, I was reading this week that only eight out of the last 18 ga- uh, championship games have been decided by less than seven points. Uh, last year, we had both NFC and AFC championship games decided by three points or less. 
that has only happened one other time in the history of the NFL. That happened in 2012. So the odds are that the lines makers are off on one of these lines. Uh, I think it's probably this Kansas City-Cincinnati game. If Pat Mahomes can move, uh, then I think that Spagnolo and that defense can blitz Burrow enough. And Mahomes has been listening all year about how he can't beat Burrow and all this. Uh, I think Kansas City wins something like 31-20. to 20. Uh, So I'm going to go with the Kansas City-San um, Francisco Super Bowl as a San Louisiana man. Thanks for having me, T.P. And leave it to Mike to give you a rematch from four years ago where Kyle Shanahan has the lead up 10 points with eight minutes on the clock and Burrow struck up the band and won that game. Rematches all across the board. Interesting storyline across the board with the Kelsey brothers or the Bengals and the Niners revisiting 1989. I mean, it's so much on the line right now in, in Philly, just being like, I feel like they're the overlooked number one seed overall. Like a lot of people don't really feel like they could get it done. And I feel like the Eagles pose a big threat to the Niners, but I feel like the Niners could get it done, but they got the mystique of flying over the Mississippi River. It's like their soul stays on the West Coast or at least in the Midwest or the mountains. And then they just find themselves and they fly back to the Bay. So it, it, this is tough. I, I love this. this. This is what I love about sports, the competitive nature, so on and so forth. I'm going to go with the stars, the moon, everything that's in line for me. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Joseph Burrow's birthday is December 10th, 1991. Ten years before that, I was born. Zach Taylor's birthday is May 10th. My father's birthday is May 10th. I went to high school at Stanford High School. I wore orange and black my entire life. I got to go with Joseph Burrow. I got him. He's the healthier quarterback. He has not lost to Mahomes, and Mahomes has a problem being injured at this point in time. They're probably going to give him the cortisone shot. It wears off. And I can remember vividly 2003 where I wanted this to go the same way for another quarterback that was injured. Had an ankle situation. They shot him up. He was good first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, looking like he was going to win the game. That shot wore off. The Tennessee Titans fell short. The New England Patriots went to the Super Bowl. This could potentially happen to Joseph Burrow, Steve McNair. I, I, I miss you. Rest in peace. This is the same situation that they're looking at if they end up shooting him up and trying to have him ready for this game for an AFC championship again. I'm going with Cincinnati Bengals. So, that's the AFC side. The NFC side, oh, my God. This is really tough, but I got to agree with my brother that's here in the building from the West Coast and my blood brother that I grew up in the same household, same bedroom, all of my life, the best man at his wedding, so on and so forth. He's a diehard 49er fan. I got to go with San Fran to knock out the mystique of flying across that Mississippi River. If they can't get this done to go across the Mississippi River, that mystique is going to remain with them forever. Even the way the season started, they flew into Chicago, and everybody had them pegged to win that game up against the Bears. The Bears beat them. 
the Bears ended up being one of the worst teams in the NFL. There's just something about San Francisco that they can't fly across the Mississippi. I think they get this figured out today, and Brock Purdy is going to be a Bay hero. His name is going to be near as big as, like, Clay, Steph, Draymond. Like, he's going to be, like, a tier below them in Bay history and sports. Sports City, this has been an excellent show. I'm at the edge of my seat, like I said. I can't wait till this stuff gets played. I don't know where the heck I'm going for this game. I'm getting texted. Yo, come over here. Let's watch the game. Ty, what you going to do? I don't know. I might just lay down. I, don't, I might go to the supermarket. I might just give me a whole bunch of food to sit down here and pig out. I just don't know. I'm just so ready. I just know one thing. I have to get me some Orban Red and Bacher popcorn and get it ready. That is for sure. SportsCityChefs.com, that's the website. Stay tuned to everything that we do throughout the week. We're getting a lot of shows in line. We at least got the lineup for Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Sundays. So we at least got 40 days out of the seven cooked up for your good old food for thought. Hopefully you are still doing these dishes. On that note, tell a friend to tell a friend that it's the chefs again. And if they don't know, now they know. Kaboom, Sports City Chefs is in the room, cooking up hot topics to put up on the spoon. They well in tune, blown like a flower in June. Superman vs. MF Doom, the clouds loom. So tell a friend, it's the Sports City Chefs again. Pay attention, tune in, we on the set again. Uh.